We wanted a way that agents could hone their craft and be a part of a larger community, get the resources they need and information they need to know. We cover relevant topics in the industry that will help you close more sales. We talk to top producers and industry leaders to share knowledge and best practices from around the country. So if you want to make more sales, then listen up because we're dropping gold. All right. Okay. Got you recording. Hey guys, it's Eric with Medicare Supplement University. And today I am super stoked to start off the morning with a very, very special guest. Uh, we have here Brandon Clay. We have the VP of Health sales for One Life America, all right? And so this guy that we're looking at right here has 22 years of experience with United Healthcare, Cigna, and Care Improvement Plus. In the, the big heyday of Care Improvement Plus, this guy was running that show and just, man, that, that company exploded. Um, he's also the author of seven books, including Six Hours to Six Figures, which I started reading is so far awesome, awesome book. Um, it's a guide for senior market advisors. I recommend you guys look it up on Amazon, pick it up. It's a great, great book. In fact, I have it here. I'll show you guys a copy of it here, uh, before we, uh, end the phone or end the interview. But, uh, Brandon, thanks so much for joining me today. We have a lot of cool stuff to talk about and I'm excited to get into it. No, well, absolutely, Eric. And I'm excited as well. Appreciate the opportunity to be part of the Medicare university. Um, and yeah, the, the business is, is a great business to be in. So hopefully we'll shed some light for some agents that are looking at this as opportunity. Uh, or maybe we'll even help some of those that have been seasoned and doing it, help them get even more success. So I'm excited about it this morning. Yeah. And I mean, I'll tell you guys, um, th this man is so well-spoken. Like I just, I feel like this guy could sell me anything. I just do. I just feel like this guy could sell me anything. So I'm really excited. You know, the, the other cool thing is he's going to be a speaker at the 8% Nation Conference that's coming up. And so, man, if you guys don't have a ticket to that, um, I, I recommend that you consider getting tickets. We actually have uh, discount codes. Uh, I actually have a few free tickets that I'm going to figure out a way to raffle it off and get it uh, to anybody who wants to participate. Um, there's so many reasons to be at this conference with Brandon being one of them. I'm going to be there as one of the panelists. Uh, and so, and the big name that, that I'm excited to see out there too, uh, Grant Cardone, Ray Lewis, those are two huge names of people, the speakers that are going to be out there as well. So, man, I know it's, it's going to, the timing is right about when in the middle of AEP, um, but the, 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 the conference day really, you know, it falls on a Friday. And so, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I just, the way I look at it is it's worth giving up a, a day or two of sales for all the value, the knowledge and the, the excitement, the energy and and just the, the foresight that, that all of these guys who are giants in the business um, can give you that you could take away from that and, and, and just really start to actually insert into your own business practice and, and get working. So I'm super pumped about that. And so um, I can't wait to see you on stage out there too. That'll be awesome. No, Eric, actually, thanks for leading off with that as well. Uh, I'm just getting introduced to, to Cody Askins and some of the other people, but with people like you and you mentioned Ray Lewis and, and Grant Cardone, but I looked at who's assembled as it relates to the industry I know and love. I don't think you can assemble a smarter, uh, more intellectually tapped in group of people. And I always believe that, you know, smart skims the surface, but genius goes deep. And in order to really generate money and revenue and opportunity in this business, you have to stop skimming the surface. So I believe those two days will allow agents to go deeper 
And that's usually the breakthrough many of them need to get to a higher level of success. Yeah, that's so well said, man. So well said. Albert, see what I'm talking about. This is the kind of stuff you're going to get at the conference, man. These are great, great things. So, so really what I want to start off this, this segment is going to be in regards to Medicare Advantage. Um, you know, I'll admit that when I first put the, the, the Medicare Supplement University together, it's, it's design and intent was to replicate myself in terms of how I train insurance agents. Um, now, normally I would train insurance agents on Medicare Supplement and Medicare Advantage, but to put it on a, on a platform where it's accessible to so many uh, and can be viewed by so many, to be safe, I always stayed away from getting too deep into Medicare Advantage. It wasn't that I said you shouldn't have it. I, I just believe that there is a place and time for it, um, but I am normally, I will be more of a proponent of MedSup, but it's, MedSup is just not a good fit for everybody. And in those cases, instead of giving away the business, you would need to have Medicare Advantage available so that you can help them there. Um, it is still, you know, it's, for, for many people, it's a great tool. In fact, a third of, of seniors have Medicare Advantage that are on the Medicare program. So it's not something that's going to be going away. And in fact, I wanted to start off by reading this, um, this little excerpt that was sent to us uh, that, that I found really interesting. It only really kind of, uh, I guess, solidified my idea that we need to evolve the university to have more information regarding Medicare Advantage. And as a result, I want to have more experts on here uh, along with myself to talk more about Medicare Advantage in a compliant way. Like I said, there's some things that I do with the supplement university or with Medicare supplement training that I just can't do with Medicare Advantage due to compliance, due to uh, the scrutiny that goes behind it. And that's just the unfortunate side of it. But there's still a lot of great value that we can bring, um, you know, that, and so uh, you'll see that that's going to happen. There'll be a lot more of a, a focus on Medicare Advantage as well with this university, but also an even greater focus on other tools, which Brandon's going to talk about in the next segment, um, which other, other products that we can bring in that can help you get in front of more Medicare clients. So um, let's start with this excerpt here. I'm gonna read it. Um, this is saying here, Medicare Advantage premiums down 6%. Enrollment increasing, plans offer new types of supplemental benefits. This is by CMS, October 1st, 2018. It says, Medicare Advantage plans, average monthly premium will be $28 next year, marking the lowest charges in the last three years, according to CMS. On average, MA premiums will decrease by 6% from $29.81 per month to in 2018. Nearly 83% of MA beneficiaries who stay in the current plan will have the same or lower premium in 2019. MA enrollment is projected, hear this, MA enrollment is projected to reach an all-time high with more than 36% of Medicare beneficiaries enrolled in MA in 2019. Nearly 83% of MA enrollees remaining in their current plan will have the same or lower premium in 2019. About 46% of MA beneficiaries in the current plan will have zero premium. MA will offer about 600 more plans in 2019. That's an expansion right there. 600 more plans in 2019. And MA enrollment is projected to increase to 22.6 million in 2019 and at an 11.5% increase compared to 2018. So there's a fact sheet attached there's, and I can attach these underneath the video. Um, but man, that tells me that there is still, and there's a growing opportunity, not only in the Medicare industry, because there's still, there's a lot of growth to happen in the MedSup arena. But as you can see from reading that, there's also going to be a lot of growth to happen in the Medicare Advantage arena. And I think the smart agents are going to need to try to participate in both. And not to say, if you choose not to offer Medicare Advantage, 
by no means, I'm not saying you're not intelligent. You, you know, it's your choice. It's absolutely your choice. You probably already have it set up because you know that there's not always going to be a fit for supplements. So you probably have a partner that does it manage that you pass it off to. So, so please don't take it that way. I'm just saying that for a lot of the new agents that are getting involved, it is going to be a good idea to have Medicare Advantage as a feather in your cap so that you don't have to pass off that business. You know, because when you're building a practice, you don't want to have to pass off business. You want to keep it all, right? So, so what are your thoughts on that, Brandon? Well, so many things, Eric. Um, and, and what you just outlined, I'm a big fan of the KaiserFamilyFoundation.org. They give out great information. There's a lot of information that CMS puts out. Even in six hours to six figures, and that was not a shameless plug, I actually start out by gauging the opportunity of adding Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplement, Hospital Indemnity, and even built on the chassis of final expense. And we won't go into the product side of this just yet, but having started with this back in 1996 as an agent, when you had to be a W-2 agent for the carrier in order to sell Medicare Advantage, or actually at the time it was called Medicare Risk of all things, it was really sort of an odd way to get into the business. And the biggest issue we had to com combat was telling people that a zero premium plan was not too good to be true, that we weren't shysters out, you know, uh, taking their Medicare away. But look at what's happening now, 22 years later, where prices, unlike Medicare supplement, prices are coming down, as you outlined. Benefits are actually increasing. And there's some phenomenon that, that, that are the cause of that. But it's a beautiful dynamic that allows the member to have options. So within that framework, I, just like you mentioned, I don't want to demean or denigrate agents that only focus on one thing or the other, don't like Medicare Advantage, don't like MedSup, whatever it might be. But I would ask you to quit skimming the surface, go a little bit deeper, because back to your trending, in 1996, the trending for Medicare Advantage has increased even through the balanced budget amendment. That was the last time Medicare dropped slightly, uh, done by, uh, by, uh, by President Clinton. Medicare modernization with George Bush made it, this thing go higher. Even the ACA, when they thought Obama would have killed Medicare, it continued to increase. And it's increasing now under President Trump. None of that was a dialogue about political, nothing geopolitical, quasi-political. We need to be mindful, but understand that the beneficiaries are voting with their applications. And we're at a 33% penetration right now, looking to go to 41% over the next seven years. So you're outlining a 36% in the 19 uh, arena. And yes, MedSup is still there. It's still viable. But look, and I'll go ahead and do this. If I asked you about Cigna, do they sell MedSup MA and final expense and uh, indemnity? The answer is yes. Aetna sells all of it. Mutual of Omaha, a staple, one of the first Medicare supplement companies in the country has now decided if they can't beat them to join it, they're actually offering markets with Medicare Advantage. So like radio in the movie, if you remember Cuba Gooding Jr. and Coach Jones, uh, Ed Young, when he asked radio, do you want cherry or apple pie? Uh, he said, Coach Jones, I want both. If you're not doing both in this space, it's not so much just the fiscal leaving money behind, it's the service-minded approach. And I'll talk about some things maybe in one of our segments where you can make Medicare Advantage that much stronger and make it look more like a Medicare supplement without having to give them a plan F, a plan G, and the cost that comes with it. But if the, if the group of people turning 65 is expanding at meteoric levels, 10,000, 12,000, 13,000 a day, and the penetration in Medicare Advantage is going from 33, 36, 41, and I'm not in that space, 
something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And that's, you know, uh, numbers don't lie. I've always said that because I am as much as I'm a salesperson, I'm also a numbers guy. Uh, and so numbers don't lie. And when you look at them, you, it's kind of hard to combat that. And I think the other cool thing is that with technology, technology just makes things so much better. I mean, obviously people can use technology in wrong ways. And, and I think that's in any industry, even in the MA industry. I mean, the huge result of all this compliance is because the actions of few, you know, created problems for many. And so, um, but that's just life. And so we need to work within the confines of what we have, but technology is really helping to, uh, to allow us to get out there easier in terms of advertising, marketing, how we get in front of people, um, and then also how we even enroll people. And so the, the kind of what I want to talk about here for a lot of the new agents to Medicare and to Medicare Advantage even, because there'll be a lot of supplement agents who said, okay, maybe I do need to learn more about Advantage. Maybe I do need to understand better the compliance aspect of Medicare Advantage. Um, let's cover some of the do's and don'ts about how to market Medicare Advantage so that we don't get in trouble. Because especially if we've been marketing MedSup, we haven't really had really regulation issues as far as how we can talk about, you know, or how to even get in front of somebody. I mean, people still door knock, you know, they still door knock to go talk about Medicare supplements. They cold call. Um, they, they can just walk by a stranger, hand them a business card. They can do all these different things. Um, you know, outside of, they can't just go and create marketing that has insurance carriers names and just submit, you know, they have to still get that approved. But you know, when they keep things generic, I mean, for the most part, they, they have kind of like a, a pretty good range of, of uh, you know, I guess uh, of just being able to do what they want to do to, to get in front of people. That's not the same case with Medicare Advantage, right? I mean. Well, no, absolutely not. Um, and you're right. Obviously, there's a lot of latitude, a lot of freedom as you're thinking about. And I'll continue to add in a few things. But finally, Spence, it's a door knocker's paradise. MedSup. Not a lot of agents do it in a strict sense of door knocking, but it can be done. And I know agents that are extremely successful in it. And But no, once you cross into the boundary of Medicare Advantage and even PDP plans, I want to make sure we keep those tied uh, ubiquitously as well. If a MedSup person is door knocking on uh, for MedSup and selling MedSup, technically and compliantly, they're not supposed to transition into PDP uh, without some 48-hour in scope. We'll get into some of that. But in the Medicare Advantage space, there are rules that govern. But like anything else, for the opportunity that's presented, if I know how to govern myself as it relates to interacting with the potential beneficiaries that I'm coming across every day, to me, that's a small price to pay. I mean, my daughter's got a dual degree, three and a half years in Georgia, magna cum laude, graduated top of class. At best, with all of that 100,000 plus education, she might be able to generate 40, 50, 60,000 of first year income, give me an insurance agent with a license. And if they abide by a few governing principles as it relates to Medicare Advantage, in three, four years, their renewal check would be $100,000. So to me, I don't like the, um, the urban legend notion that Medicare Advantage is dangerous, I should stay away. I'm like, no, let's be smarter about it. Let's get in, integrated into what needs to be done on a day-to-day -day basis. And for the agents that know it and do it, they abide by it. They swear by Medicare Advantage in the sense that it's a great vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I have seen, again, I, I built a career on, on training and helping insurance agents in the marketplace, along with selling myself the whole time. 
uh, you know, because again, I always felt I was a better marketer if I was out there selling the products I was marketing. And so <laughs> I could tell you, I know so many agents who, who, who make ridiculous residual income checks, you know, from the Medicare Advantage space and from the Medicare supplement space. I mean, those are, that's one of the, the key, I, I guess, the leading reasons why people are so interested in the Medicare market is that residual income, you know? No, no doubt. And, and, and I know you'll maybe guide me a little bit, Eric, as it relates to the specific things you want to cover. But what I would say is that the guidelines are not designed. Uh, and actually, I, I'll do this. Uh, from 1996 to 2006, there wasn't a lot of regulation. Matter of fact, Medicare Modernization, then MIPA, uh, Medicare Improvement Patient Provider Act in 2008, is where we started to see uh, what I'll call an overcorrection as it relates to compliance no cold call, no unsolicited contact. Now those things have survived, but you'll start to see a subtle releasing of constriction as it relates to what agents can and can't do. Even the 48 hour rule that was moved away for scope of appointment. I think the government realized, okay, that's a little draconian. It's a little bit overboard, but little things like that have made it better. But as a result, in my mind, this is a professional's business now. It's not the gunslinging days of 2006 seven and eight, where there were un, uh, ungoverned commissions, um, everybody could do everything. I like where Medicare Advantage is right now, quite frankly, and it does set the stage for the professional, the advisor, the advocate, to actually make a great living and not worry and fear of somehow being terminated for cause and losing it all. That, to me now, that's more urban legend than fact. Yeah, yeah, so <clears throat> I guess let's, let's actually talk on a couple of topics in terms of how, um, traditionally how people would drum up business marketing. Uh, so, and let's kind of talk about how, how to do it compliantly with Medicare Advantage. Um, so, and some of them are just, you're just gonna be able to say, nope, nope. So first one, cold calling. Cold calling is a way that people do all the time with MedSup. How is it with MedAdvantage? No, absolutely not. You know, uh, one little platform or preface I'll do, Eric, is that there are some elements of the guidelines that uh, if you talk to five carriers, whether it's the salespeople, uh, the, uh, the sales managers, directors, or even then the compliance people, you'll get some nuanced, ambiguous answers. I think everybody would recognize that. But then there are some portions of the governing uh, policies and procedures for compliance that none of us will disagree on. And very specifically, cold calling, door knocking, totally, totally uh, non-compliant for Medicare Advantage. Okay. Um, what about just, you know, you're, you're in a, you're at a, you're in a place that has a lot of seniors and you decide, well, I got a stack of business cards. I'm just going to walk up and say, Hey, call me if you have questions. Can you do that? No. Again, in the sense of Medicare Advantage, that's unsolicited. Now I'm sure we'll evolve into talking about seminars, meetings, how you could engage things like that. That would be, uh, we'll use the word compliant, but walking up to someone, uh, with a cold, with a business card in a cold sense is no different than if you cold called them. Quick distinction though, just a, a little subtle nuance here. If a person's business card includes, I'm Brandon Clay, agent extraordinaire. I just threw that in for good, good, good note. But I specialize in final expense, Medicare, Advantage Supplement, Hospital Indemnity, Cancer, Dental Vision Plans. As long as I'm not mentioning carriers and benefits, my business card can reflect what I do. But to literally hand that out cold uh, to unsuspecting people or leaving it, uh, uh, handing it to them directly, no, you cannot do it. What if you were to leave your business cards at a doctor's office that you're friends with? 
Actually, you can do those things. Actually, in doctor's offices, you can leave uh, little bifolds uh, of Medicare-approved materials with your business card stapled. That's a fantastic way uh, to get your name and business out there. And so let's say that uh, I'm a patient and I'm visiting the doctor and I'm pissed off because maybe my insurance was too expensive or whatever the case may be, and I see that card, I pick it up and I call you, okay? You're the agent extraordinaire. I call you. Um, at that point, to stay compliant, what would we need to do? So that would be the most compliant way that any interaction would begin is that something triggered an inbound event to you. So we'll talk specifically, but it could be email campaigns. That's another way they relax this. You have to have opt-out uh, capability. But if that person responds to you, reaches in back to you, you can begin to compliantly engage the conversation. Uh, now, of course, before you can actually do a full presentation, whether it's kitchen table or, or really that should be the preferred method, you would need a scope of appointment. But as that member or that potential member is calling you, you're absolutely in a position to engage in with Medicare Advantage. Okay. And so once you start engaging, engaging, sorry, once you start engaging because they called you, uh, do you still need to have that, you know, when you're on the phone and, and say, you know, Mr. Fierro, um, before we can continue, I need to send you a scope of appointment or you can just completely go through summary of benefits and all that stuff if you wanted to or, or what? Right, no, so before you actually engage uh, the formal presentation, you will need a scope of appointment. Um, as you mentioned technology earlier, there are carriers now that have telephonic where you can type into a, a verification or a, a scope of appointment line and actually conduct one of those over the phone, which would then allow you to at least proceed uh, for some portion of your presentation. But in most environments, you're likely gonna be getting to the kitchen table. You would basically use that in inbound phone call to do just a little light review, not going into specific plans, specific benefits, and ultimately setting an appointment day and time, getting to them and getting your scope of appointment at the threshold of the front door. And then when you get down to the kitchen table, you're live and ready to start showing them benefits and carriers and plans. That's a situation then where you don't have to have a 48 hour window anymore from gathering. Cause they used to be when all this first came out, you got the scope of appointment and it was mandatory that you had to wait 48 hours before you could have an actual appointment to go over benefits. That's no longer the case in this situation. No longer the case. So I'm talking to them now. They want to see me this afternoon. I can literally go get the scope. I just always like to say at the porch threshold before you engage the full conversation, uh, of course, that's likely kitchen table. But no, Eric, you are in a position now to see that person as soon as they're willing to be seen and no longer have to have the scope 48 hours ahead. Okay, okay, perfect. So another, another big way that uh, people still generate leads is direct mail. Um, how does direct mail fit into this whole deal? So I love direct mail. Uh, One Life does a ton of direct mail, again, largely for final expense. Certainly in the AEP and other seasons for dual special needs and LIS turning 65, we market and do direct mail all year long. A couple of distinctions there. So you can, I prefer using generic mail uh, and there are mail houses and, and companies that specialize in doing generic direct mail. You're gonna get a higher response rate. It's gonna have the appropriate disclosures and it doesn't require you to, to, you know, to build copy. Um, on the other end, you've got carriers now that give you free, customized, it's got Eric Fierro and Brandon Clay name on it, my phone number, uh, certainly compliant, certainly has a CMS approval number on it. 
Uh, I like that as well, but certainly generic may pull more because if somebody receives a piece from a certain carrier and that's the carrier they have already, right? Not respond, but something generic, but direct mail is absolutely fantastic. And of course that then requires them to either respond by tearing off a BRC, sending it in, and then you have the uh, ability to reach out because you've got that permission to contact disclosure on the piece itself, or they have the ability, like your business card situation, to call you. Okay, and so if they were to, we already went over what happens if they call you, right? It's the same thing. If they call you from a business card or a pamphlet, or if they call you from a direct mail piece, you know, you would approach it the same way that we just spoke about. Um, if they actually mail you back a business reply card that they tore off from the, from the direct mail piece, um, that in itself, is a permission to allow you to contact them, but it's not a scope of appointment. Absolutely correct. So that BRC business reply card tear off that they send back in, you've got a handful of these, either, you know, a, a, a copy of it online based on the portal. If it's a, if it's a vendor that you're using, or you've got the physical card that is simply permission to outreach, but no, you would still additionally need a scope of appointment. Okay, perfect. Um, so now let's delve into some other things. Well, let, I'm going to cover some of the, the, the more, I think, older school approaches first before I get into the newer stuff. But uh, seminars. Seminars are, are, are a huge way that, that people try to get in front of a group so that they can try to maybe set up either multiple appointments at once or write a business right then and there. Um, how does that apply with, when it comes to Medicare Advantage? So... Uh, in my heyday, uh, I loved seminars. Of course, back then it was easier to draw a crowd because these were all fairly new and they were fairly, uh, uh, they weren't really well known in the marketplace. I still believe there's a great place for seminars, uh, but there's three, three approaches. There's educational, which let's just make the quick, quick assessment. Educational means no enrollment. Uh, educational would be not mentioning benefits, plans. It's almost a high level review of Medicare and maybe the options of you know, A, B, C, and B, and uh, maybe supplemental, which you can certainly uh, describe. I tend to prefer sales events. And then within that category, there are two different types, informal and formal. Formal, where you'll have a Medicare approved presentation, maybe it's from a carrier, maybe it's some other presentation, maybe one of the carriers is one of your lead sponsors for the event. You deliver sales content, benefit content, you can take enrollments, um, but you actually need to file it in a way that it, it marks the time and date and a very specific activity of, of, uh, of demonstration, presentation. Informal events is the agent sitting in a kiosk at Walmart, the agent that's got the ability or had the approval to be in a senior center as those people pass by that you mentioned earlier. Now, you can't approach them and accost them and hand them a business card, but if you've got your tablecloth and your signage right, people will come by. Then with an informal sales event, you can begin engaging that member uh, at just about every level, scope notwithstanding, you still need to get that before you engage a full presentation as it relates to informal. So sales events, I think, are a fantastic way. The key there for any agent is how do you draw the crowd and getting the people there. Right. How do, yeah, because uh, and that's where people will use direct mail to drive traffic doing that way or... And, and before I get into that, the, the one thing I wanted to ask about seminars, or at least point out, regardless of whether you're doing a educational seminar, informal or formal sales seminar, all three of those, don't you have to normally still file it with CMS so that they're aware that it's happening? 
is there a time limit in terms of how soon ahead of time you have to file that? Right. So the guidelines are actually relaxing there a bit, uh, but I tend to be, as I think we talked about a little off, off camera, I tend to err toward conservatism. So number one, if you're doing an educational event, seven day, get it filed. You're likely going to need a carrier to, to put that into the system for you. Same thing on the informal and formal events. Uh, but each carrier has its own guidelines because yes, you've got to notify within 48 hours if you cancel. Yes, when you do seminars and file them, you are uh, opening up the opportunity for secret shopping because now that's a publicly, uh, or at least CMS knows you're about to, to do an event. But yes, Eric, abide by what the carrier's outline and guidelines would be, whoever your lead sponsor might be for that particular event, but you do have to file them. And, and, they, and agents need to be aware that that CMS could secret shop any type of those events, right? Correct. And, and even that, I won't uh, dim diminish it by, its, um, by the importance of the fact that you could be sitting with a secret shopper, even in a home in environment. Normally, you, know, you might see them, they'll say, meet me at the McDonald's or the Waffle House. I mean, there's some things that, that maybe tip the hat a little bit, but I don't want agents to just be, well, am I about to be secret shopped? If you treat the entire process with transparency and, and follow the guidelines, a secret shopper in the midst of 10 people in a seminar is not a problem, especially if you're using pre-approved scripting and or have a carrier there to support you. Certainly, if you're being secret shopped in some one-on-one -on -one environment, if you're doing all the things you're supposed to do, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, but if you are subject to secret shopping, certainly uh, in events. Yeah, and, and that's why I always tell people, once you... Once you start to, to, to go into the Medicare Advantage, and again, don't take this the wrong way, you want to be compliant all the time. You, whether you're selling a med sub, final expense, hospital indemnity, no matter what it is, you want to always do it the right way. You always want to be above board. Um, but even more so, there's really, you know, you, you want to make sure when you're doing Medicare Advantage marketing, presentations, seminars, anything that has to do with it, you do always have to have that in mind. And I always, I always have it in mind that, this could be a secret shopper I'm talking to. And as a result, I need to always make sure that you're, when it comes to Medicare Advantage and prescription drug plans, you're being completely compliant. Well, you know, and Eric, hopefully not a digression from the next stage of questions you have to ask about marketing, but what I tell new agents, actually we did a, we had a, a conference in Dallas, had about 120, 150 agents in the breakout sessions for Medicare. A third of that room, this is their first AEP. And so one of the segments we did was help this is my first AEP. And it's a dizzying array of, of benefits, carriers. I mean, you got to know it county by county. I mean, it starts to get complicated. So within the framework of one-on-one uh, -on -one kitchen table presentations, first of all, only really sort of seasoned savvy people should likely be in front of a group. That will just make that as a, at least one of our precepts. Yeah. But if you're at the kitchen table, the carriers not only have, once you kind of define, you know, what the network is, what medicines they need, and you start trying to narrow down to the plan that you think will be a good fit, the carriers have videos, they have everything that literally outlines all the elements of compliance that a secret shopper would be looking for, or that if you were called in for a section A, the first thing that the carrier may ask is, well, did you watch the video? Did Brandon show you the video? Yes, he did. That covers a lot of the uh, pitfalls. So for the brand new agents, this is their first AEP, use the training wheels of the carrier tools to make sure you're as compliant as can be in the midst of the presentation. Because I don't want this conversation to scare anyone off 
but it's to just make them mindful that you've got to be aware. Again, technology being a great tool. So if you have your own iPad or something like that, you're saying you can put these videos that take care of the compliant part of the presentations for you. All you do is say, Mrs. Jones, let's hit play, watch this video with me, just to make sure we're staying compliant with the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services guidelines. Right. Yeah, so again, you're right, uh, Brandon, in saying that we're not trying to scare anyone away, but we're also trying to make sure, this is your livelihood, so we wanna make sure that you're doing it compliantly so that you have a very nice, lucrative, long uh, career in, in the Medicare arena, you know? So that's, that's the only reason why we're even doing this video in the first place. Um, all right, so going back to other ways to market, um, let's say, uh, and, and kind of I saw a little bit of a relaxation here too, but maybe you can explain it better um, in terms of, of, of maybe setting up shop in front of some high traffic senior areas. Um, I, am I right in saying that I've seen some, some relaxation this year in terms of that? Right. So the genesis of that obviously was in 2006 where brokers were first allowed to sell. Uh, you would have noticed in the Walmarts, there were kiosks and agents there traffic passing by, certainly that's high traffic. You can now do the same thing. Uh, those are essentially informal events in the senior centers, in the high rises, uh, in areas, uh, actually even in provider offices and in, in the common areas or non, uh, where uh, there's no health being, healthcare being delivered. And in that vein, I mean, we've got agents that are in family dollars and CVSs. That's, that's a big pull for in the family dollar for dual special needs plan opportunity. And look, even the carriers now, uh, and I won't just keep mentioning in the sense of promoting a carrier one over another, but they actually give you little uh, standalone uh, uh, lock boxes where the person can fill out a card, drop it in, and you have the ability to reach out and call them. I have agents, they pay 200 bucks for the thing and it has paid for itself 20 times over. Yeah. So hopefully answering that very specifically, you'll need to do some things around setting it up as an informal event, but you can absolutely be in most high traffic areas back to CVS, family dollars, doctors, uh, and et cetera. So, I mean, um, is it still, is it kind of hands off to be, if you were trying to set up shop near the pharmacy of a Walgreens or CVS? Well, so obviously the counter space where there might be everything related to HIPAA, uh, you know, privacy, et cetera. You can't be right there setting up shop, but you can certainly be in the doorway. Uh, actually, I have agents today are in CVSs. I know agents are in Walmarts. You just have to be far enough away from where that type of service is being delivered, but in a high visibility area so people see you. Yeah. Uh, and with different relationships with the different vendors, different carriers, uh, you usually get a place of prominence where you're coming right in and out of that front door area and the pharmacy is usually located in the back or farther off to the side. Yeah. Okay. So then the next question is going into, into new style things here. Um, how do we compliantly market? Because I do, I heavily generate leads through Facebook advertising, uh, YouTube advertising, Google AdWords. So how do we compliantly set up ads and market for Medicare Advantage in that arena? Like for instance, in everything that I do lead gen wise, I also try to stay generic. I don't specifically talk about companies. Uh, and so if I were to say, you know, hey, I have this, you know, we, there's, there's brand, and I'm not going to say I, but I'm saying there's brand new low cost or zero cost uh, plans out there available for seniors as an alternative to 
you know, traditional Medicare with, with a Medicare supplement. Is that legal jargon that I can use? And do I need to submit it to somebody to get it reviewed and approved? So this is a new space. And I think this is where you're going to start to see the nuancing, the, some of the ambiguity. Medicare did something this year, though, Eric, that I think starts to set the stage for this new electronic age of keywords, SEO, you know, uh, search engine optimization, and all the things that's more sophisticated agents are doing. And, you know, so the first thing I'll do is kind of lay a platform. Medicare now distinguishes between communication and marketing. Communication, just to be extreme, doesn't really require review or approval. Marketing requires appro approval, review, and or uh, adherence to a certain set of guidelines. So let's use Facebook for a moment very specifically. You've got, you know, I'm Eric Fierro, I'm an agent extraordinaire, I can help you with your Medicare decisions. You're being generic, but there's an intent, which is one of the parts of marketing. What's the content and what's the intent? Your intent ultimately is to generate an opportunity. Yeah. Your content, however, is still generic enough in nature that to the undiscerning eye, to a person turning 65, and, and I will not to digress, when they hear the word Medicare, most people aren't distinguishing MedSup, MedAdvantage at the beneficiary level. It's ubiquitous. They just hear Medicare. But when we have an intent to, to potentially sell Medicare supplement and or Medicare Advantage or, or Medicare Advantage, our intent is to market. So within the Facebook realm, you've got that message out there about how good you are. You can help them make their decision. It could be a bias toward MedSup, but when that person likes it, it doesn't give you immediate license with Medicare Advantage to outreach. That would still be deemed unsolicited. You would still need them to somehow reach out and say, I want to learn more. And right. then that solicit action gives you the ability to call and engage. Now, to the degree that your messaging starts to go from what we'll call generic and communicative around what you do uh, as an agent, and you start saying, like even as you mentioned a moment ago, if I start saying zero or low cost plans, that's a, uh, a proxy for Medicare Advantage. You're not gonna find a zero premium plan G or a zero premium plan F. So that means you're gonna now have to be able to go undergo another level of scrutiny. And the more detail you provide, the more scrutiny you're gonna need to undergo down to the point where eventually you're gonna need the, the carrier to review your website. Uh, if you're generating leads for MA. So, but okay, in that example, if, if I, again, I'm not mentioning a carrier name, but I am saying, uh, you know, there is an alternative to Medicare and Medicare supplement with, uh, there's these, you know, another alternative that have their zero or low cost plans, you know, contact us if you'd like that, which, you know, I'll provide a phone number or if they fill out a form, which is their permission for me to contact them. Um, my question is, do, do I need to submit my ad copy, which is what we call it, we call it ad copy. Um, do I need to submit that to anybody? And if I do, who would I submit it to? Because you were saying that there will be more scrutiny the deeper you delve into more detail. So at the point that I'm talking about, am I even getting deep enough that I need to really submit this to anybody yet? Yes or no? No. At the level you just described where it's again a fairly generic uh, outline and it's asking for them to fill out a form and of course there might need there will need to be the disclosures of a licensed agent or representative will call you there's some of those things that would be 
beneficial to include, those don't require the carrier to review. You know, so social media is actually no longer off limits as is email, uh, no longer off limits. It just has to abide by a few things. But I think that's where, when I mentioned ambiguity, I think we're gonna start to see a little more of the guidance because more and more agents, agencies and lead generation companies are using social media to generate a lot of traffic, SEO, keywords, et cetera. Um, and, and I do wanna make sure I answered that correctly, Eric. At that level of simple high level messaging, you would not need review. Perfect, perfect. And I think that's, you know, so many people, especially because that's part of the university now is Facebook ad training. Um, you know, th that's, that's gonna be a question, can I do this? And again, because MA is the one that scrutinizes the most, I wanted that answer to be clear for people as I've told them that, you know, but it's always good to hear another source saying, yeah, it's okay as long as you're, you're having a generic message like that. It's not something that needs to be submitted to carriers or CMS. It's not until, again, you're mentioning the actual names of a carrier or you're getting product specific of a carrier's product that you would have to look at doing that. Uh, but keeping it generic, you're okay. Um, okay, so we're almost done here with the questions. Um, and actually, let me read them real quick. Because I think that the, the last couple of questions, I want to save them for our next segment that we're going to do um, because the next segment, segment is going to be pretty juicy too. I'm excited about it. Um, and I think, you know what? Um, yeah, I think that's everything. So cool. Brandon, thanks so much for, for doing this segment here with me on the compliance side of Medicare Advantage. It's going to really make things clear for so many agents that are just getting involved on the Advantage side. And I'm really excited to see um, you know, I want, again, my, the biggest thing for me is I, I want to help others to become successful. I think that this university is a great platform for that, especially with its ability to, to evolve and become even greater than what it is right now. So, um, you know, again, thank you for being a part of that. Uh, and, and hopefully, hopefully I'm gonna put you on the spot. You might take up my offer to, to be someone who's going to be in the MSU mastermind group to help answer questions in regards to Medicare Advantage, final expense, and other products that you have such great knowledge on. No, actually, I think uh, that's an idea whose time has come, Eric, and, and excited to be connected to you in any way, shape, and form. So, no, I think the uh, people out there will see a little more of me here over time. Awesome. Awesome. So excited. Okay. Well, guys, stay tuned for the next segment. We're going to go over some pretty awesome stuff in terms of lead generation and some awesome ways that Brandon has himself not only become successful through doing these methods, but also has trained many successful agents using these methods to get in front of people to offer not only Medicare Advantage, but several other products. So stay tuned for that next segment. You guys are going to really like it. All right. All right, Brandon. Thanks so much.